Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today show 76. I'm not going to lie, I'm sitting here, I'm surrounded by moving boxes. It's 10.52pm and I realised I need to record an intro for my lovely producer to put this show together for this Monday which is obviously now because you're listening, and uh, and I'm exhausted. Moving really, really takes it out of you, hey? Um, I haven't moved house for seven years, and I used to move quite regularly, I, you know, through flatmates and all sorts of things. In your 20s, you move, you know, every one or two years, and then, um, and then my husband Ollie and I found ourselves moving funnily enough, to avoid mould twice where um, landlords wouldn't do anything about it. And, um, and this time it was, it was not the kind of mould that you see everywhere. It was more insidious. Um, it wasn't until I tested my dust recently with something called an Ermi test that I realised that it was still very much around in my day-to-day um, and it, probably living in the carpets as the carpets get pretty damp um, when it rains. So... Um, So here we go, moving again, seven years worth of uncovering all the things you really don't need to keep. And it was, maybe it's because I'm older, I'm 42 now, but it was a really, really uh, heavy sensation to realise how much I was holding on to that I did not need to hold on to. And then, of course, a beautiful sensation when I actually decided, go, 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 go. Um, But then a sadness, you know, I think... So many people talk about this in the course, uh, Go Low Tox, which um, starts today and you're not too late. A lot of people always think, oh, I've missed the boat. Um, But hilariously, I think about 30% of the people that do the course sign up in the first week that the course is actually running live. So if you're still thinking about doing it and you're thinking it's too late, it's not. Um, And you can always check out either on lowtoxlife.com and have a look at all the courses and just click the Go Low Tox one on that homepage or um, pop through to the show notes and I have the link there for you today. Um, And yeah, back to what we talk about sometimes in the course in the chat group is when you realise there's all this stuff that you don't need or want, uh, what do you do with it and how do you navigate not feeling bad about giving it up? Um, We were able to donate most of it to charities, which was wonderful. And then the next largest amount was recyclable, which was also wonderful. and then, um, and then the smallest portion was uh, the tip, um, and also um, a lot of hey, do you want this for your little girl, or hey, do you want this for, you know, baby Oscar, or you know, all those sorts of things through the family, just making sure that the things that were useful to other people um, got to get used instead of just, you know, getting jack of it and, and putting everything in the tip because everything that can have its life prolonged is always such a good, good thing. So it's always worth that little extra effort. And for us, what that looked like was starting a month out. Um, but here we are, moved. Uh, the new place is lovely. And um, and I look forward to doing some kitchen videos now that I have a bit of a nicer kitchen, which is always lovely. Um, and, uh, and we're calling this one mortgage practice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's uh, it's a really lovely, it's got a great vibe and it's in the middle of everything in the city that I love, Sydney, and um, and yeah, we're really excited to be here. Now, uh, you don't need to hear more about my personal life, I'm sure. 
I just want to remind you that our show is being supported by the wonderful Dr. Bronner brand this month. You have 15% off their entire range. I've managed to pick up a big vat of sal suds, which I always grab when they've got a special on because it's a bit exy, but it goes a really long way. Months and months and months and months this thing lasts me and it's wonderful for tough, tough cleaning. Um, Lisa Bronner writes about it extensively on her um, Green Mum uh, uh, Dr. Bronner, uh, Lisa Bronner blog, uh, and I'll pop the link to that in the show notes um, on ways to use sal suds. But you could also get the bar soaps, which are fantastic, or the little minis, which I find awesome for traveling. Um, and then, of course, they've got this whole range now delicious toothpastes, uh, hair creams, all sorts. Uh, so I invite you to explore. It is a truly visionary brand. Uh, that you've heard me speak about many times before. And if you didn't realise, Lisa Bronner actually was one of my very first guests, show number two. So please do go back and listen to that chat if you're not too up with what Dr. Bronner's as a brand is all about because the story is sensational and uh, full of twists and turns and really, really worth hearing so that you understand that um, these guys were truly pioneers in the green personal care space. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just adore them. I've visited them in Southern California and, um, and I, I can very safely say that everything you hear about, read about, see on social media, it's the real deal behind the doors as well. And that's always so, um, lovely to see. So please do make the most of that 15%. Now, today on the show, I have the wonderful Brody Welsh. And some of you who've been longtime listeners might have heard Brody chat uh, with myself before. She's actually been on the show twice. So she's my first triple guest. I heard Brooke McCallery on Slow Home the other day talking about um, one of her first triple guests. And um, and Brody's mine. Brody always has some just wonderful, wonderful things to say. She's a an acupuncturist, a Chinese medical practitioner, um, but likes to weave a fair bit of Ayurveda into her work and has started, you know, as she's a self-care strategist for people, that's one of her primary drivers in life in the work that she does. Um, She's started to develop these circles of uh, accountability, if you like, not accountability as in tus tus, you didn't do your goal, not that kind of thing, but accountability to just have a sense of energy around you, the like minds that are trying to move forward, trying to self-refine, trying to ditch bad habits. And we actually talk about habits a lot today. Uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating chat. So if you're someone who has been wanting to focus on a bit of self-refinement yourself, whether that be more personal care, whether that be letting go of habits that don't serve you, um, whatever it is, today's chat will absolutely give you some practical tips and tools on how to go about that and actually make it sticky. You know, often it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to do this, but to make it sticky is a whole another ball game, as I'm sure uh, you know only too well. And, uh, and I really found today's chat enlightening in, in many ways. And we bounced a few ideas off and it was, um, it was wonderful. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And, uh, and without further ado, here is, uh, here is the chat. Hey, Brody, how are you? I'm doing great, Alex. It's so great to talk to you again. I know. It's fantastic. And I was actually just looking back through the shows and realized 
bizarrely that it's actually been a year since I've had you on the show. Really? Yes. Well, we we are consistent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did two shows right at the beginning, like quite yeah. quickly, one after the other, and then and then nothing. So it is um, an absolute pleasure to have you back. And we've obviously chatted a couple of times, and I uh, mentioned there in the intro what those shows were and and um, and how to back catalogue over our chats because there's always some great stuff that comes out of them. We've talked about um, Chinese medicine, obviously, as you're a practitioner in that area, the Harari cycle, which I loved chatting about, and then self-care through the Chinese medicine lens, which I always think is an interesting topic and there's so much wisdom we can garner. Um, But today I wanted to delve into a few new areas that we haven't discussed yet, uh, and I know you're passionate about them. Um, And I thought uh, because when we were emailing back and forth planning today's chat, uh, the first thing you mentioned was habits and habit forming and um, useful habits, bad habits, all the habits. Uh, I thought, well, why don't we just start there? So, And it's kind of a time of the year, you know, end of February, early March when people – you know, I had all that goodwill to get good things happening this year and it hasn't happened. I'm a lost cause. I'm a failure, you know, and it's so counterproductive, isn't it, to us then actually turning around whatever it was that we did want to manifest um, this year and, and not having that I've failed before I've begun because I just made two bad choices kind of thing as a lot of us can instantly default to almost as an excuse, I reckon, to um, sure. to therefore not follow through and, um, and, and get going. But, um, but I'm very keen to see why this is such a topic of interest for you, what your thoughts are around habits. I am so excited to talk to you about habits because, (laughs) well, for so many reasons, but that really in Chinese medicine, the goal is always for the energy to flow freely in the channels. And when uh, essentially our habits can keep us stuck or they can help us evolve depending on what those habits are. And as really we tend to break down on the roads we travel most, as I remember my teacher Jeffrey Yuan once saying in a, in a class that that really it's it's the things that we do over and over again that take us in a particular trajectory with our health and also with our with our happiness and with our what what becomes possible for us. And so and one of the, the reasons I'm so passionate about habits right now, is because so I've been working with people one on one since 2003 as a Chinese medicine practitioner, and I, you know most of my people are super smart, super well educated, and truly motivated to do things that are good for them. And at this, and so they'll leave my office all fired up to start their meditation practice, or their healthy eating, or they're giving up sugar, or they're starting their qigong, or whatever it is that they're that they know that they want to be doing, and they will they'll be great for a few days, and then the motivation just won't be there because life will get in the way mm. and something else will seem more important, right? That and, yeah. and especially for women who. Um, have jobs, who take care of kids or aging parents or partners or employees or, you know, just something else seems more important than the good intentions that they set. And so, and then it's just kind of easier to stay stuck. And so what, what I've, what's been the focus of my work is in the past year, in addition to doing work one-on-one with people is I've developed these 
self-care boot camps or <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, really like habit incubators where we take a group of people and we focus on up-leveling all the habits that the sages of Chinese medicine and Ayurveda agree and, and modern scientists, uh, you know, agree what we all need to be doing in order to thrive and really bridging that gap between what we know we we should be doing to take care of ourselves, like mm-hmm. our very deepest good intentions and actually doing it. So and, and on the way, it's like it's been such an interesting journey to see how we form habits, how what makes them stick, what where resistance comes up and why it's such an important thing to have uh, that it's why really habits aren't even individual. They're they're cultural and we catch them from each other and we reinforce them in each other. Mm, so it's really it, it, it really is that is such they a are great contagious. Mm-hmm. There's I, I, I wish I should I, I, I wish I had looked up the stats on this, but there's so much interesting information about how um, your likelihood of, for example, being overweight increases dramatically if your spouse is overweight and or even your best friend or even your best friend's best friend. Like we catch, you know, our levels of happiness are correlated, not even just with the people close to us, but people that we associate with casually, like the, you know, cashiers at the co-op or the grocery store and, you know, that those and our coworkers that, that really, um, there's, and it, things like income levels, you know, like there, there's sociological reasons there, but there's also kind of, um, that it's just what we do, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, if, if you're, if you're tribe, if you're in a, a work environment where everybody works till nine and then goes out for drinks afterwards, that's a communal habit click that's really different from the people who go to yoga class and then go out and have herbal tea afterwards. You know, it's like that there is very much like what you do becomes it's it's a because we're social creatures, it's very much intermeshed with what other people are doing. And, you know, that phrase that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Mm, Yeah, of course. It's like, yeah, so it's true, you know, it's like mm. that you're that just those, that, that it's um we we are our beliefs about what's possible and our beliefs about what's normal. And, you know, that that really if we all kind of are at the same set point, if you are the healthiest person, you know, there's no inspiration to actually stick with your good intentions because you're already doing pretty well, mm. you know? And so, so really you have to surround yourself with people who are, who are really ready to, to live at a higher level of vitality or to, you know, to, to whatever it is that you're after. You need to do it with people who are likewise motivated or have a similar value. If you're it, like, you're far more likely to succeed. And there's, there's data on that too, as far as, um, the the fact that it's it, why groups like Alcoholics Anonymous work or why people go to church, you know, it's to get regrounded in in what they know is important to them, and so that they can live from that space. So just what I noticed in, in working with people one on one in clinic is that some of these people I've been working with it in my in my habit change group that they've been working with me individually for years and the amount of progress that they that they're able to make in a three-month time period it's just like it is an accelerator and the the kind of thing because really with the kind of support I can offer to somebody in a one-on-one session every couple weeks or once a month it's just not enough it's like Mm -hmm. because we 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 face because because habits are things that 
that show up daily, sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times a minute, depending on what we're talking about. I totally agree. So if you're in an incubator situation where all of them have been removed and you don't see anybody around you that you would normally see doing those things that make you perpetuated as well, because as as we've established, habits are contagious, um, then it becomes much, much easier to actually adopt a, a different pattern, right? Exactly. And you're inspired because a lot of those, you mentioned excuses um, Mm. earlier in your introduction. And I think that that's really excuses and resistance, you know, that, Mm. that there's, that if we want an excuse to stay stuck, we, it's very easy to find one, Mm -hmm. right? Because, because we are creatures of habit. And so, and up, you know, 40% of our day is estimated happens on autopilot without conscious thought, which is great if you've automated the right habits, Yes, you know, like then it's like 40% of your day that happens automatically that sets you up to feel amazing instead of the, you know, things that, that that go on unquestioningly that take you in the wrong direction. Mm. And, so that, so that idea that you are, um, it's, yes, it's what we do over time again and again that gives us the results we want, that compound interest effect. So that, um, you know, James Clear talks about this a lot. I don't know if you, if you know his work, but just that, that idea of doing something 1% better over time. And, and actually, is it Darren, Darren Rhodes? There's a book um, called The Compound Effect. Oh, yeah, that, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where it's like you do something 1% better and at the end of the year, it's like 37% better. You're like, there, just there's there's a massive improvement. I think about it as like that um, every time you do a habit, it's like putting a piece of paper underneath your foot and, you know, or underneath your feet. And it's like every day, one piece of paper, you, nobody's going to notice that. But at the end of the year, you're a phone book taller, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're noticeably different. And it's and that's the result of those, those small changes repeated over time. And so, and this has everything to do with health, because of course, the, the kind of the core competencies of self care, as we've talked about in the past, it's like, we all know those things, right? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, and, and it's just the doing of it, people don't usually need more information so much as they need help with the implementation. And so it's, yeah, it, it's, a it's really a fun, it's really a fun thing to, to think about how we, how we stay motivated, because we are not creatures of willpower, willpower is totally overrated. Yeah. It's, um, oh, let's just face it, people. It doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) We know it. And anyone who's ever tried to, to do something based on willpower alone, there might be a small percentage of people who are otherwise genetically able or, you know, their brains work a certain way, but generally most people will find that hard. Yeah. And, and it's the kind of thing where even if you're good at it, when life happens as it inevitably does, stress depletes willpower. Mm. And so it's the, so it's the kind of thing where so many times, like, let's look at the reasons why we don't make awesome choices, right? <laughs> that yeah. you, you get home from a long day at work. There was, you know, maybe you had, you did great. You woke up, you did your morning routine, you had a healthy breakfast and lunch, but then, you know, it's dinner time and suddenly you are, you know, you're into your second glass of wine and your third Netflix show at past your bedtime. And, you know, it's like you, just because your willpower is out the window, right? Like at that point, <laughs> the stress has depleted your ability to stay strong. And and so you're a human being. You're not a machine. Of course, you know, that. And, and so the trick is not to beat yourself up for making those choices. 
at all. You know, like that's totally counterproductive and leads to the what the hell effect, yeah. which, um, it, you know, that 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 whole, um, you know, I've I've had the one cookie now I might as well eat the whole bag. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, that that recognizing that every moment is a new moment and that really. Um, and and things like hacking our environment for success that um, that that becomes that becomes really important. We're far more likely to succeed in a new habit if if it's the easy thing. And yeah. so looking at you know, and that's the other thing is like that um, about working in a group is that we get to see how what's working for other people. Because if you decide, well, I can't get up early and meditate because I've got two little kids, or you know, like that. Mm. But then you see somebody else in the same boat who is making that choice and seeing that it works, and seeing like, oh yeah, like. I, I don't think I can do I don't think I can stop staying up late because that's my me time and they're seeing somebody else just switch their me time for something far more meaningful that happens at 5:30 in the morning instead of 11:30 at night and lo and behold they you know it's it's um it's inspiring to someone else and so it's one of those ways that we hold up the mirror for each other about what's possible and and we're able to to see what's working and and where resistance is mm. and get to the root of like well why why don't we think this is possible for ourselves or what's scary about that yeah it's really interesting when you're lying awake at night dark lights are off. You're the only person with your thoughts and you ask yourself that question. I think it's a very interesting, um, uh, a question to ask ourselves because that's the time that the truth is there, you know, and it's whatever pops into your head. You're like, Oh, that's why I'm scared of this. Or I feel like if that happens, that's going to happen. Or it's really interesting self, uh, introspective moments that you can have when you ask yourself that question. But speaking of questions, I've got two questions around um, this habit uh, changing situation. One is what if you become the person that really, really tries and you go through something like what you have set up for your clients locally there um, and you, you come out and you're raring to go and you're really excited and you really feel like you're going to be able to keep it up. But because of the people around you not also making that choice, you find it quite hard and resistance creeps in over time. What, what can we do in that situation? Yeah, that that's – well, Ed – that is, first of all, a very legitimate and and difficult thing, which mm. I, I will just put out there. I'm also put out there that what I'm doing is not local. It's for people everywhere. Um, and we, yeah. It's oh, like we we're can do it on- virtually. You totally can. That's I have people bad. all over the world who are participating. And it's, um yeah, we have our online community where you can, you know, where people reach out 24-7 for support and to, to share wins and things like that. And we meet over Zoom. And it's like, a, you know, our virtual ah, living room where everybody can so. see everybody. And it's coaching. It's like, yeah. it's totally like, okay, this is where I'm stuck. This is why I'm not able to do this. And, and, we, and we get to the bottom of it. So that's actually why I evolved the program. Because like, really, it, t- it takes time to change a it. We all know that, right? Mm. It's that, that it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with repetition. And this is something that both Chinese medicine and Ayurveda talk about and yoga philosophy that sort of that, that um, this it's a form of stagnation or it's a it's a samskara, right? It's a groove that people can get stuck in that that we need to and or it's the same um, in neuroscience. It's what wires together fires together. We need to create new neural pathways. We need to create new associations and be able to break out of the habit loop, which is which basically to you know to cure any habit you just have to be aware of your trigger 
and like know what's cueing you to do the habit and know what you're getting out of it. There's always a reward to doing the habit or it wouldn't, it would die out. Mm. And so being able to understand what you're getting out of your habit can, can really, um, can help you change that cycle. So your, your question about in terms of like, okay, so we, um, one of the habits that we focus on, for example, um, is in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, it's a good idea to eat during daylight hours, you know, mm-hmm. and we talked about this in the Harari cycle that, you know, after seven, there's far less chi in the spleen and stomach. And so it's a great idea to not be digesting food then. And, you know, in both mm-hmm. Chinese medicine and Ayurveda talk about the importance of giving your digestive system a rest for that, at least a 13 hour fast so that the liver and gallbladder can be the cleanup crew. And we can, you know, just that, that, that the optimum functioning of our body for weight loss loss for, uh, for overall health is to, uh, is to really close your kitchen around, around dark. And so that's one of the habits that we work with, but let's say it's your family, you know, that, that mm, a lot of times where the rubber meets the road is that, oh, well, someone is dedicated to wanting to have this earlier dinner and not eat after seven, but their kids don't get home from gymnastics until eight or their Mm. husband doesn't get home until nine or whatever. And they really value that family time. And so they're, they're, they're feeling like, well, this is, um, I can't, I can't eat earlier because family time. And we look at that and we, you know, when we, when we really get at what, what's the value here, you know, it's like likely nobody else actually cares if food is going into your mouth, if you're still making time to connect with them, because that's Mm. the value, right? Is the the value is, is family connection. And so it's like, you can have your food whenever it works for you. And if you are the person making food for everyone else, you can have a cup of tea while everyone else enjoys their food and everyone still gets to connect around the table and, and share about their day. You know, if that's, if that's something that that's, that's into. So it's, it's really looking past the, the nature of behavior and, and sometimes it, it I mean, it requires a conscious conversation. Mm-hmm. It requires saying, you know, actually, you know, connecting quote unquote by, both of us staring at our phones on the couch isn't really working for me anymore. You know, like I'd prefer to take a walk in the evening. Would that work for you? Mm. You know, and, and so just really it's, it's about getting in touch with our values at a deeper level instead of just kind of, and and really questioning like, where is, where is the, the stuff that you just fall into that isn't all that intentional mm-hmm. that is, you know, that, that you're just doing that you're not getting a whole lot out of and what need is that meeting? And could there be a different way to meet that need? Yeah. It's such a good, uh, observation because I, I have a little, um, section in the start of, um, my upcoming book, which talks about change and making change stick. So I don't really talk about habits m- more so changes in, um, things that are better for us, better than better for the planet. But habits are, of course, a part of that because if you look at something like a reusable bag or a straw, you got to start actually remembering to take your reusable bags so that you don't have to say yes to the plastic bag. And um, you also have to, I believe, really want to um, stop using those plastic bags and really yeah. understand why it's important. Um, yes. to you, not just important full stop, because that's not enough, I think, for someone to make a change. You've got to really feel like it's important to you. 
Right. You have to um, know what you're in it for because yes. otherwise, it, you know, like, and, and that's actually, yeah, in the course, we call that our deep why. Mm. And so everyone is, in, is encouraged to get in touch with their deep why because that's actually, um, is it Kelly McGonigal's work on willpower that she talks about? There's the I will, I won't and I deeply want are like three different muscles. And so if you're trying to create a new habit, that's a different part of the brain than resisting a bad habit. But that, um, but that really, you know, like if you're trying to quit sugar, for example, or you're trying to, um, not like, you know, buy that disposable cup of coffee or, you know, that, that, that you are, it's like in the moment, if the, if the instant gratification, gratification of the coffee wins out over your value to not expose yourself to xenoestrogens from the plastic <laughs> in it, you know, it's like yeah. that. Yeah. Like that's a tough thing unless you remember, oh, right. You know, my small changes over time can, can mean the difference between my liver's ability to detoxify from this illness that I'm struggling with or to stave off cancer in the future or, you know, like that it's, it's harder to think about, um, about, it's harder to make that choice unless you know, your your very personal reason and, and motivation yeah and but, I think but more importantly yeah go ahead there's nothing yeah. more effective to a coffee lover than actually depriving yourself like being disciplined with yourself exactly. and saying no coffee for you unless you bring that cup and you do it once exactly. and you're going to damn well remember that cup next time exactly. <laughs> so it's like the or fastest like- way to implement um, yeah, uh, my just... travel mug lives in my car so that, um, yeah, like, and I have more of them. So like, mm. so there's always one in the car. There's always grocery bags in the car. It just, it, it because it, yeah. And, and we have so many of them because yeah, they migrate into the house and then to bring them back out. But it's, you know, it's just getting into a rhythm so that they're always there when you need them. That's right. Um, and then the other question I had was kind of, related to the idea of coming back out of something like an incubator you know how um what you've basically been saying is uh, and I, I fully agree it's about who you surround yourself with and it's about you know people lifting each other up um but are there not going to be times where you actually have to take a leadership role to help lift up others because if you use the adage of well I always play a better tennis against someone who's better at tennis than me like mm-hmm. you know and everybody does then yes. like what about the best person? Then <laughs> they always just yeah. kind of get a bit dragged down. So I'm I'm just I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how we um we we don't think so much, oh um, you know, all these people around me are all of a sudden a drag, but how we can <laughs> create <laughs> and you know, I wanna find like you know, can you imagine saying to your husband, sorry, the best five people have to be surrounding me at all times and I, I just right. don't think we can move forward. And in fact, I mean obviously that happens in some people's lives when when really a couple can't move forward together for a number of complex reasons. But I'm more talking about um the idea that we can then inspire change around us um, of habits and and how well, that- maybe some of your past students have shared how they've actually started to um, inspire because it can be such a delicate tightrope balance between becoming that preachy guru friend that just right. does not shut up about all these amazing changes they've made and everyone's like, oh my gosh, just don't, I don't talk think about they, that. I don't think they need thing to talk about it on. at all. Right. You, know, be, you like- think it's a be the change scenario? Yeah, it's mm. totally be the change there. I have I have many thoughts on this. Um, one is that we all are inspiring in different ways, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so for like, I've been walking my talk about health for a very long time, but nobody's perfect, you know. So like, even though I'm holding the space for people to engage in transformation. I am the first to admit that I'm human and there are there are things that 
um, that, you know, there, there are places where I meet resistance and where I'm stuck and I'm super inspired by people who are maybe just starting out, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in this direction. And so, so that idea that like transformation itself is inspiring. So like maybe you don't have a drinking problem, but maybe, you know, watching somebody else make that radical shift where like they're not drinking anymore when that used to be a massive coping mechanism for that person, that is, that's going to inspire you to do something big. You know, like it's, it may not, it may not be your issue, but you can be inspired by people's capacity to shift. And then there's this ripple effect because when you, I mean, and, and really like so much of this comes down to, um, I mean, uh, most of the people that I work with are women and most women are, um, socialized to put themselves last on their to-do list, right? It's like, take care of everybody else first. Mm. And, and so that idea of, of really getting the mindset that you have the right to take care of yourself in whatever way that looks, in whatever way that, that, that needs to be, that, that is something, that is something that by, by you deciding, you know what, it's more important for me. Like, yeah, I understand that there's this deadline and it would be nice to, to be like well ahead of it, but, um, I can't think anymore. So I'm going to go home and rest. And so just acknowledge your humanity. You give other people in your work environment permission to honor their humanity and maybe not work through lunch or maybe not beat themselves up for that typo in the memo or, you know, like whatever it is that they're doing that they'd rather not do. We become uh, we become lights for each other to inspire culture change. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. And I just have to share something hilarious that happened to me this morning. I um, didn't have breakfast because I just wasn't hungry and I'm a believer in, you know, just listening to your body and I went to a meeting, came back and it was about 10.30 and I knew I had to hook into a few things. So I made myself a couple of eggs, a whole bunch of wilted arugula, as you guys call it, rocket for us here and, um, and sat down and uh and thought okay i'm just going to watch like i'm doing an e-course at the moment um and i thought i'd just watch one of the training videos so that i could just eat and watch the video but of course i caught my emails and hilariously i caught a a lovely woman angie um angie gluten-free who has asked me to write a forward for her upcoming book i caught her email and she had been sending me through the pdf of the um the draft book so i open it up and I'm eating my eggs and I'm l- reading through the introduction. And it's all about m- making time for peace before we eat. And there I was <laughs> eating away, multitasking. About to write a forward, you know, yes. And I just thought, I love how real I am. I love that I can catch myself out in these moments. I love that I don't feel ashamed to say them or speak yeah. to my community about them. Just because someone works in wellness does not make us in like some sort of um, uh, bubble world where real things don't happen. It was a busy right. morning and, and there I was. And I just, yeah, but I, I mean, I totally agree. It's, uh, it's It does not disqualify <laughs> you. No, that's right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, hate to disappoint everybody, folks, but here we are. Um, Alex Stewart is human people. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) It's true. And I really wish more people who had healthy businesses, blogs, uh, educated in, in all forms of well-being for the mind and body would just share some of those fails, you know, whether it's a cake fail or whether it's a a meditation fail because your two-year-old kept walking in, you know, whatever it is. I think it's a, yeah. a, a beautiful thing because it's the game isn't perfection here. It's just 
making sure that we are holding ourselves account to the habits that we want to emulate in our lives because of what um, what lifestyle goals they help us attain at the end of the day, right? Absolutely, and and actually, just uh, what you're what you're saying right now, I, I'll call myself out on negative self talk. Like Ooh. that's one of the habits that I have been trying to break for years. And part of what's helping me hack that habit is instilling a habit of Mm self-compassion. And so that's something that I really focus on infusing into my course as well, because people feel like the way to habit change is through more self-discipline, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not willpower, it just must mean that they need to be harsher with themselves (laughs) or beat themselves up for their failings. I've seen it so many times. It's devastating. People can really end up in a bad way going down that road. Yeah. And it reinforces your stuckness if yeah. you, you know, if you've proven to yourself, see, I can't change. And, and I, I, I'm, a way that that often happens is that we try to do it alone. We try to do, we try to buy it off more than we can chew. And we, there's, and we don't build in any margin for error. So instead of like, okay, I, you know, and sometimes like that really clear, bright line can be really important. Okay. I am not ever going to do heroin, you know, like, I mean, just Mm. sometimes it's like, I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, that's, that's an obvious bright line that most of us can steer clear of pretty easily. Um, if, you know, if you're someone who is, um, addicted to overeating, for example, you can't draw that bright line because you're going to have to eat. You're going to have to engage in that habit to some degree, but you're trying to do it in a mindful way. You're trying to do it in a way that, that is, it's where really it's, that you're trying to nourish yourself, you're not trying to numb out with food. So it's the kind of thing where like, okay, maybe if it's like, if it's, if it is, if food is your drug of choice, it's like, then, you know, or sugar is your drug of choice, that kind of thing, that it can be useful to have like an absolute line in the sand, but it can also be useful to make that small doable changes. And when those stick, to make the next change. And so it's like if you're someone who's having dessert every day because you have a stressful life and that's comfort and that's sweetness and that's the like the thing that gives you joy in your daily life, well while you work on creating joy in some other way mm-hmm. or you know like whatever it is, um you know, could you uh could you do something else that feels sweet to your body after dinner 3 nights a week? and do, you know, and continue to have dessert three nights a week Mm. or something like that. Could it be an incremental practice, which then reinforces, wow, I don't actually have to do this every day. I actually really like taking a bath in the evening. It feels great to my body and it gets me out of the kitchen. And, you know, and and then you discover like we we can lead with desire and we can lead with, you know, if you if you do have a sugar binge against your your better judgment, you can be compassionate with yourself because you recognize that it's filling a need for you, you know, like that, that there's, and, and you can, you can treat yourself with it, that there's research in this. <laughs> totally. But yeah. yeah. I'm just will... thinking back to being a 20 something going, well, that ice cream was fun and he's an asshole. <laughs> exactly. <You're right. laughs> there is a time and a place, ladies and gentlemen, time and a place. It really is. <laughs> yeah. and but I love and that a... idea. I think it's great. I'm such a big believer in food being many things you know uh, like we are such a food obsessed society that food just yeah. instantly becomes about the eating of like f- food that we cook or prepare or bake or whatever it is however it is it ends up in its final form and um and food 
can be many things that fill us up. Uh, and, you know, just even the simple act of if you always get together with a friend and go to a bar and you think, oh, I always get together with a friend and go to a bar and then we have three or four cocktails and that's not so great to start every single weekend that way. Like, could you do a sunset walk on a beach? Um, you know, and you very quickly find out who your real friends are in those sorts of times and who the exactly. ones that actually are there for the drinking and need a, a bad habit buddy. Um, yes, I, I find precisely. that fascinating as I've, you know, just had different people come in and through my life, um, that that can sometimes very much be the case. Um, if you're really down, there can be people that connect with you, but when you decide to get be up, um, they don't want you anymore because they just want someone to be down with them all the time. And that's what makes them feel good about their downness. And it's just all this stuff we really need to, um, I feel like I went on like four tangents there, but it's all, it's all well, central to the theme. Well, you're talking um, about relationships mm. that are built around, uh, around particular habit rituals. Mm. And that if, if you're opting out of that habit ritual, if you're like, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to eat a plant-based diet. I'm not going to eat the burgers anymore. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start running in the morning and, you know, or I'm going to start um, my yoga practice or whatever it is that you're, it, that when you shift, it's, you, you, you do, if you want to keep being friends with those people, you, they have to be willing to, to adapt as well. They have mm. to be willing to connect with you in a new way. And if, yeah, like those people who, wait, what do you mean you're not going to just, uh, enable my dysfunction over and over again? <laughs> what mm. do you mean you're not going to tolerate my complaining or, uh, just be the person who always swoops in and fixes things or be that responsible one or the, whoever it is that, you know, like as, as we, as we play these roles with each other, we, you know, like that's, that's like our social mask. That's a habit as well. Mm. And when we, when we decide that, we're maybe done being the person who's always super accommodating and who never rocks the boat and who just never really has an opinion and goes along with the crowd. It's like the day that you realize that's actually not working for you anymore and that you actually have a right to your own self-expression and you're going to start voicing your opinion. Uh, yeah. Like other people are going to be <laughs> re like, they're either going to be that they might be surprised, mm. but they're either going to be like, wow, it's so great to hear, you know, like I get to learn more about you now that I know what your preferences are. And, yeah. you know, like, and it, isn't it interesting how you think about the world and oh, okay, you're drawing that boundary, which means hmm, we're going to have to come up with a different solution to the way we've always been doing this. Yeah. And so it's, it really, it does. Um, anytime we make a different choice, to move our energy in a new way. And in Chinese medicine, we can think about this as from like a five element perspective that if you are, if you're playing with different colors in your palette, if you are no, you know, if you are an exaggeration of yourself and you're tired of that and you're wanting to really inhabit all the elements that are within us, that are within all of us, then you get to evolve and you get to do things differently. And that can feel scary and unfamiliar. And that oftentimes is where we need support because it's scary to put down your social mask, especially if it's gotten you a lot of success. Mm, so true. And so you use the word evolve there. So I think it's the perfect segue to go into something that uh, you mentioned in an email to me recently called identity evolution um, and how that fits in with everything we've been talking about. Do you want to just go into that for people who are like identity? What? Yeah. <laughs> well, so 
so that we this is sort of what I was what I was just alluding to this notion that there, there are external habits mm-hmm. that we do right our, our eating habits our exercise habits our our mindfulness practice habits our shopping habits our you know all this other stuff but then there's the habits uh, that are more subtle there's there are habitual ways of thinking and particularly our particular ways of presenting ourselves and expressing ourselves that we can call even the habituated self. Mm-hmm. So there's who we are deep down, who we were born to be, and that's going to be, we can call that our, our essential self. And then there's this habituated self, which is how we've learned to get on in the world to that either helped us navigate our childhood environment or helped us navigate a school environment or a career environment. In any case, it's it's working for us or it isn't. But, um, you know, presumably um, most people listening out there have achieved some degree of success to the point of being able to 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 be to make conscious choices in their lives or about what they're doing. So so basically that is our identity is kind of starts getting organized around a particular habitual way of being. I love so, that. So how, what, I, what I love about this is how we've learned to get by in the world, as you say, up until this point doesn't mean that's going to be how we continue, right? Exactly. Right. Mm. So for example, like, you know, in, in Chinese medicine, I uh, identify strongly with the wood element, right? So the energy of wood moves upward and outward and it's always growing and striving and it's very young energy, right? It's move, it's upward, outward energy that is pushing and it is, it is fast and it is, it's out in front, it's teaching, it's leading, it's that kind of thing. And so I have a lot of that energy, so that's and that's it, it's the kind of thing where like, yeah, I should be doing those things because it's part of my innate strengths, but it's also not the entirety of who I am. You know, it's like I'm also uh, someone who loves to be spontaneous and have fun. And if I'm a workaholic, if I'm driving and striving all the time, I have nothing left. There's no room in my life for spontaneity. Yeah. Or there's if I'm doing too much of that upward, outward energy, um, I feel like I have, I, you know, that there's, there's, um, if I'm not balancing that with a fair amount of introspection, meditation, um, time alone, this, that was the water element that we think about in Chinese medicine, that the going, going deep into, into the depths and in reflecting and be, that, that, that element needs to be there for me as well. So does community, right? Interacting with, uh, supporting my kid and my husband and my friends and, you know, being someone who is that nurturing earth energy. It's like if, if I'm only, if, if my value becomes, if my greatest strength turns me into a caricature of myself, I miss out on all the other elements that, uh, of, of who I am. And that is, that makes me one dimensional. And it's what uh, my teacher calls psychosclerosis or the hardening of the psyche around who we Ooh. think we need to be, mm. which I, I love that term because it's like, okay, yeah. So what happens if, um, what happens to the people pleaser when you make somebody mad? Mm. You know, like what if you fail at the thing that you're, you know, that your whole identity is built around? Well, you're still you, you're, you know, like you're a human being with it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, there's, um, you know, people who are, uh, 
like I used the example earlier of like that being overly accommodating and that and not wanting to rock the boat and things like that. That's very earth. Earth earth element types like harmony and they like everything to be nice for everyone all the time, even at the expense of their own happiness. And Mm. at, at a certain point, that's going to limit what's possible for you. Mm-hmm. Because if you realize that putting everybody else first means that you don't actually get to take care of yourself or express yourself or do your creativity or your spirituality or give your gift to the world, you know, in in other ways, then that's like, that's not okay. It's not okay for your health and your happiness, and it's going to create resentment. And so it's ultimately going to undermine your greatest superpower anyway. Mm. So recognizing that like, okay, this is a social mask. It's not the truth of who I am. And so who do I want to become? What is the future me going to do differently? Well, I can still be supportive and loving and nurturing and have boundaries, right? Like I can still, you know, for the earth element person, uh, they can, maybe the earth element person needs a bit more of the wood element of that upward, outward expressive energy to that, that courage to say what they, what they need to say. And, you know, so, so it's that idea that, that thinking into where does my greatest strength turn into my greatest weakness? Oh, I love that. Yes. Because that could be one of those yeah. midnight questions for you to reflect. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, that's one of those little, ooh, I feel like I need to just pop off and, and reflect on that for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the idea of um, evolving our identities and, and being yeah. more truthful about uh, who we are, who we, especially who we want to step into, um, you're, you're also very passionate about Ayurveda and um, we talk about um, the, the routines, I guess, that we need to bring into our life. Um, and in Ayurveda we talk about uh, Dinacharya. And is that, is that something you practice yourself? Can you, I'd love for you to Absolutely. just explain the roots of, of that and, and how this sort of a routine can look in modern life. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. Dhyanacharya is basically just daily habits, and yeah. that and and in Chinese medicine, yeah, it's like very very much the same. Like there there are these ancient wisdom medicine traditions have identified that there's really things we need to be doing on a daily basis in order to to be in balance, mm-hmm. uh, both physically, emotionally, energetically in alignment. And so, and, and I think, you know, you can look back to the classics in Ayurveda and in Chinese medicine, like the, the, these, you know, thousands of years, uh, the, the sages and, um, the, the, the authors of the classics were, are, are talking about syncing up with nature essentially. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about, um, so one of the things in Ayurveda that is, it, is the, this idea that different energies are dominant at different times of the day, kind of like we were talking about with the Harari cycle and on past episodes yeah. here. That and, and so, yeah. So one of those things is uh, that that helps people align with nature is to go to bed before ten, for example, because that is that gets you to to bed during the kapha time of day or the 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 time of day that's conducive to rest and slowness and heaviness and um, cohesiveness and all that before the fiery active energy of pitta kicks in, which is basically like the 10 to 2 a.m. 
and 10 to 2 a.m. That's that's a time of of activity and it and it's not so conducive to falling asleep. So and similarly um, in Chinese medicine, there there's that idea of yin and yang and that really like aligning with the cycles of nature and dictates kind of like when we should do things. And so that and and so Dinacharya in my life, absolutely. Um, like morning routine is huge for me. And for me, morning routine require like, oh, so this, the, the other thing with habits that we didn't talk about exactly is the idea of the keystone habit, that there is something that helps like the keystone of an arch helps all the other stones of the arch stay in place. Mm-hmm. And so with habits, there's usually one habit that that if you do that, you're much more likely for all your other good habits to stay in place. And for me, that habit, it, I have two, but I think the first one is sleep. Because when I get a good night's sleep, I can wake up and meditate and you know, scrape my tongue, brush my teeth, do my meditation. You know, the, all, all of that happens effortlessly as opposed to when I haven't had enough sleep where everything feels like a drag and where later on in the day I'm tempted to uh, engage in habits that aren't so good for me. You know, like the, the, the coffee, the sugar, the, you know, the um, maybe not, um, not, working out, for example, or just all these things that are contingent on feeling well-rested. And so there is, so I would say that Dinacharya, that if you want a good, if you want good daily habits, it's really important to start that in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if you want a good morning, it's really important to start that the night before. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, that is so, yeah. great. That's such a great little takeaway. So true. I think it's, I think it's really one of those things where it, it's um, connecting with yourself. You know, another a, a piece of the the Dhinacharya that I, I teach in my course is, you know, that getting up and hydrating, drinking a, about a quart of water uh, to encourage elimination first thing so that you're not taking literally yesterday's waste into today. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's something that, you know, like, and you're, you're, you're flushing down through your root chakra and you're opening up through your crown chakra because so it's basically like, okay, out with the old, in with the new, in with the that which is inspiring and uplifting and kind of aligning with your highest values, aligning with how you want your day to go, perhaps either practice dropping into a, a high vibration state like love or gratitude can be really lovely. Um, I like to do that. I like to 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 get a sense of like what's truth like who am i and and that's an opportunity again to to get beyond my habituated self and into who i really am right that who i am as as consciousness you know and and that consciousness in human form and and love in human form and so being able to remember that first thing in the morning and then drop into some meditation or some qigong or some some kind of a practice that is that allows me to be in union and then moving from there to giving myself like high vibration food. I make my, make my smoothie to take to work with me. And that, um, and ideally if, you know, in an ideal world, I would be moving my body for, I would, I would be working out first before everything else. And there's only, um, I think I do that most days. I do that four out of seven days a week, but the other three, I haven't figured out how to do it yet because, um, cause there's only so much time, 
Mm-hmm. But I do it later in the day. I do it as my transition between work and home because I need that. I need the the time to to mentally. I need it for my mind more than my body. Mm-hmm. And so, the, so those are the kinds of things where I think like you know the the, the basics that um, aligning with your highest values, movement, mindfulness, or um, or meditation, however you prefer to think of it, um, nourishment, and making time for what matters most, right? So that there, there's that, um, how, what are, what are the most important things in, in the daily routine and making sure that your actions are aligned with those values. And so it's like, those, those are pieces of my Dinacharya. Yours might look different. Mm. Um, but that's something that, you know, that, but that everybody, you know, everybody that we ever interview on, on a healthy curiosity, my podcast, all the health experts, no matter what field they're in, all agree that those are the pillars. Like we need to get enough sleep. Yeah, <laughs> we need to absolutely. be moving. We need to be meditating. We need to be um, like, I think our relationship with stress is a habit. That's something else that we try to work with in, um, in my group level up. And so being able to, and part of what helps us deal with stress again is, is automating the stuff that works and getting that to just be a no brainer because that, that creates resilience and that creates that a allows us to be really unsinkable. Mm, I totally agree. And there is so much that we can automate once we start to think about it. Simple, simple example is I remember about four years ago when I first tuned into this idea that there were things that just could go on autopilot so that I didn't have to build decisions around them so I could save my decision-making power for when it really counted. Was I would always to and fro about whether I would – Um, wash the pan or rinse out the blender if we'd had smoothies um, after breakfast before taking my son down the hill to school. I'd be like, do I do it now? Do I do it when he comes back? Oh, do I do it when I come back? Maybe I'll just do it when I come back. Like I would have this thought process. It would take, what, 15 seconds tops. But I would think it and I would do like a little back and forth dance in my brain about whether or not this thing was going to get cleaned or not. And tiny things like that just became my – um, my work in progress, if you like, for actually just making a decision once and saying from now on, as soon as we finish breakfast, we clean up everything that has to do with breakfast and it's away. And I've done that ever since. And it's just something that you do. And I've done, and I could give you 15 more examples of how we've implemented things like that, you know, with my son, as soon as he hears the words, it's time to go put your uniform on, sweetie. He knows that after he's put the uniform on, he puts the socks on, he puts the shoes on, he double knots his laces, he goes brushes his teeth, and then he brings his backpack to the kitchen so we can pop all the lunch in. It happens every morning. And because he's made that a habit, because I've guided him to do that, there's no struggle. You know, we always used to struggle. Come on, I said. Yeah. Third time, fourth time, you know, and it's just what happens when he hears those words. And I can't tell you the difference that it makes. Oh yeah, and and it sounds like you you just hit on a another principle of habit change, which is that um, making one behavior just a, kind of a stacking another behavior onto it, so it becomes a a, a longer a bigger habit. A so habit it's not sequence. just put your yeah, yeah exactly. It's not <laughs> just put on your uniform. It's it, it's all this stuff that's stuck together that he thinks of as getting ready in the morning mm. <laughs> and the, but it's the same steps every time and so yeah breaking it down so that and that's something that that really um you know that at, if you're trying to add something to your morning routine sticking it on something that happens automatically already is a really good tip for for doing that so if you're wanting to do 
oil pulling, for example, if you're wanting to do um, some self-massage, it's like, well, okay, does that happen before your shower? Does that happen after you brush your teeth? That really, it's like having a plan for when and where something happens to cue it is super key. Mm. And there's one more question I'd like to ask you, and I think this will be like our little call to action for what everybody can just sort of hook into this week. Um, do you think it's productive to kind of take some quiet time out and, um, you know, maybe head to a place that you really love to be in, in nature, big notepad or a huge piece of butcher's paper, whatever it is, and start brainstorming what you want that routine to look like a few things, you know, you can automate, like, could this be a good little challenge we put out to the interwebs this week to... Sure. Actually, I have a worksheet on this that I should hook up for. Yeah, I sent it out in my New Year's my New Year's um, newsletter about, um, yeah, because people make New New Year's resolutions. So I do have this relatively recently, uh, an exercise that helps people do exactly that of of just thinking through uh, what what they want to see change and what could be a small step towards that and when and where is this going to happen and yeah so it can it can start with with dreaming big it can start with where do you want to be in a year where do you want to be in six months where you know like how how however far into the future you'd like to project Mm -hmm. and then thinking about okay so so future Alex like what is she all about how does she roll and like what kinds of things are her habits you know are, are you is she the kind of person who and then think about um, the, the kinds of things that, that you want for yourself or, the, or how do you want to feel and what are the steps that are going to help you get there? So working backwards from, from what it is you want and then kind of paving the path underneath your feet as you go in a way that's going to feel sustainable and easy and one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so we're going to include that in the show notes for everybody to be Great. able to download and of course connect everybody out there to your amazing um, Chinese medicine course, which I know so many low toxes have done and absolutely loved, um, as well as a bit more information about this, um, this little habit forming incubator. I, I'm quite curious about that. I think that'd be a really wonderful thing for people to do. So everyone has all of that in the show notes um, for today's episode. And Brody, what a pleasure to have you back on the show. We always have such great chats. Let's not make it a year next time. Um, seriously. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, but I look forward to, uh, to chatting again soon and, and probably being on your show. I look forward to that as well. Thank you so much, Alex. You're super welcome. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. And before I sign off, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that writes a review or leaves a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you listen to the show. We appreciate it so much. It's the best way you can say thank you because it helps us stay visible and it helps people who haven't listened to the show before, but who might come across it in a search think, hmm, I might give that a go. So I appreciate that. And I'm wishing you the best week. Until next week, you can catch us on lowtoxlife.com. And if you want to check out those show notes, remember to put forward slash podcast and it'll take you straight there. Otherwise, I'll also see you on Instagram. I'm always posting there. It's a little bit more uh, personal and a look at sort of how I eat and what I do and my dad's pictures of blossoms and whatever else is going on. And that's at lowtoxlife. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye.